tonight on Unsolved Mysteries, Missing Angel, Mystery Man, Missing Teacher, and Meredith's Mom. I am your co-host, Crystal. And I am your other co-host, Robert. And this is Reenacted, an Unsolved Mysteries podcast. You know, Crystal, I got a bit of news. Oh, you have some news? I guess it's not really news, just sort of, just sort of me talking about my life, which we all know is why people tune into this podcast. I'm. It's 96% of why people tune in. The other 4% are people we went to grad school with that are hoping for a name drop, I think. <laughs> They're going to mention me this week. I know it. I just know it. Um, Ever since I was in the emergency room last October, Mm -hmm. Uh and the the doctor told me that I had dangerously high blood pressure. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I was actually there for a kidney stone related thing. So that was a, I, that's what I recall about the trip. So the blood pressure is, uh, uh, is new, but you made some dietary, pretty big dietary changes. If I recall yeah. correctly as a result yeah. of that I've, like, trip. Sin- exactly. Um, and since then I have consumed so many berries. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I buy blueberries literally every week. I often mix them in with uh, raspberries and blackberries. You know, they got mm-hmm. they got those um, antioxidants, whatever the heck those are. Yeah. And I have ate like in the past year, I've ate more berries than I have during the the preceding thirty nine years of of existence. Okay, so you're basically part bear now, is what you're saying. Yeah. Oh, I like that. That didn't even occur to me, but yeah. Uh, maybe I should uh, start walking around with a hat and a tie on. And no pants. <laughs> yeah, no pants. No pants. <laughs> uh, I can't claim that that hasn't been something that I haven't done in the privacy of my own home before. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to mention that. So uh, was anything interesting happened in your life recently or? um i uh i went to africa okay that's yeah yeah that's that's also an interesting thing yeah i mean that's a very africa is a very large place it should probably be more specific but uh yeah this is our first record since i've been back um sorry if i sound a little congested on en route to returning home i picked up laryngitis or a cold or something and i was in pretty rough shape immediately upon return Mm. Um, but yeah, I, uh, we, my husband and I finally went on our honeymoon eight months after okay. being wed and, uh, we went to Tanzania and mm-hmm. went on a safari and, mm-hmm. uh, that was pretty intense. And then we spent a couple of days decompressing in Zanzibar, which is an island off the coast of Tanzania. Yeah. And then we, uh, then we came home, but there was, uh, a lot of, uh, there were some fiascos in getting there. We had to change our entire itinerary, plus leave a day later than we anticipated. Um, oh, wow. Because of some okay. visa issues. We were originally supposed to go into Kenya, and we did not do that. So oh. I don't know her. But, yeah, we just went to, yeah. Anyway, I won't get into all of that. It's yeah. mostly very embarrassing for my husband about what happened there. Okay. And uh, But we made it. We got to Tanzania, and uh, we saw all the animals there. 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, really, I've, I had never been south of the equator. So that was a first. I'd certainly never been to Africa. Um, oh. And uh, I actually don't, other than my husband, I don't really know anyone <laughs> who has any Americans really that have visited Africa outside of maybe I have a friend who lived in Morocco for a bit and a friend who visited Egypt a couple years ago. But um, that's sort of North Africa. I don't really know many people who have visited sub-Saharan Africa Yeah, yeah. at all. So it's not a real popular, uh, mostly because it takes about 30 hours <laughs> to get there. <laughs> that flight can be, uh, can be a deterrent. Um, yeah i mean the first the first leg was 15 and a half hours between la and um cutter which is a country in the middle east and then it's another six hours to uh, arusha tanzania which is where we uh flew into so um, yeah so uh so we did that and um <laughs> real exciting real <laughs> you know, exciting I, I, I was just trying to make it a joke that the berries were the uh, the berry consumption oh. was the was the more exciting yeah. part of this but um, really uh, really making a making a go for it um, no no that, that that's 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 all cool I, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you you returned from your sa- trip safe if somewhat ill and... Yeah, I didn't. I didn't make it out a hundred percent. So, uh, yeah, and I, you know, Tanzania kicked my ass because basically, in a, it's the way we were on safari, we were in a we were in a car, we were in a Toyota Land Cruiser for seven eight hours a day on extremely rough roads. Like a uh, like a horse would have been a smoother ride. Right. Okay. Would have rather have been on a horse. Um, that would have been cool yeah. to see you on, like on a horse, and you're like, yeah. yeah. I, but I also don't want to be on a horse ever. To be really clear, I've ridden a horse. Oh. I don't care for that. But I'm just saying, a horse would have been a smoother ride on these roads. I see. And I probably we I probably see. would have. So when I'm saying we were in a car for seven eight hours, we were going in between various national parks. Those were kind of the longer days. But you know, it would take maybe five hours to go sixty kilometers. Okay. Yeah. Which yeah, is I not see. very far to the Americans no. in the uh, audience here. Yeah, that's uh, that's basically it's slow like, going. Yeah, yeah. That going that'd be like taking five hours to get from where I live to Carson City. Pretty much. Yeah. 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 Jeez. Well, so uh, again, a horse may have been faster <laughs> than what we were doing. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, but hey, it was a, a generally really positive experience. Tanzanians uh, as a people are great. It's a really peaceful country. Um, so a lot of the sort of tribal infighting and stuff that goes on and say, I don't know, Kenya um, just kind of non-existent in Tanzania. So it's really oh, that's diverse, interesting. Ever- yeah, yeah, it's really diverse, but it is they really pride themselves on being a peaceful country as everybody lives uh, alongside each other fairly well. And it's a very tolerant country as well. So, um, but the uh, the second part of that, when we went to Zanzibar, that uh, Zanzibar's um, m- has a lot more Arabic influence and is a much more um, Muslim mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. predominant country. Um, 
it stands for it's a country within a country. You guys can look it up. I don't need to get into all the geopolitics of what's going on in Tanzania. But uh, yeah, that was interesting too. I'd never been, I'd never been to a uh, place where you're hearing the call to prayer every day, right? That's what you're uh. waking up to. Um, you know, it's, it's happening all the time. So I just, I'd never experienced that before. So that was really interesting. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, but people are really great. Um, highly recommend, um, if you, if you can make that type of journey, uh, maybe do it once in your life. Tanzania is like, you know, I'm sure the country that I saw on our trip will not be the same country in five years. There's just so much development going on. It's mm. also a really young country. I saw more kids than I ever see at home ever. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it, that was what was most striking to me is that, you know, these sort of um, post-industrial nations like the United States and Western Europe are really aging populations, right? We're old, it's a country of adults and yeah. older folks. And then to go to a country that is majority children, I mean, everyone's under the age 18 was shocking, but also kind of interesting. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and Tanzania is one of the fastest growing countries population wise in the world. So, you know, by the, the year 2100, most of the world's population will live in sub-Saharan Africa. And it was sort yeah. of interesting to be seeing how that's happening. Yes. You know, yes. it was it was sort of like it was sort of like um, coming from a country that's on the decline. <laughs> <laughs> and then visiting one that's definitely on the upswing um w was r hopeful and very interesting ah. okay. so okay cool yeah i mean when i came away from that experience i i can't help but feel i would have like not have had any of the insights or experiences you had from your trip because being the sort of person I am who hates going outside or doing things, yeah. I probably would have just stayed at the hotel. <laughs> yeah. Well, there wasn't really a hotel until the end of the trip. So I was basically oh. in one form or another outside for about nine Ooh. days. Um, but yeah. I like that shit. What I did I, not like is being in a car for eight hours. That's right. the part I did not like. I liked... I like the part at the end of the day where we're basically on safari. There's a lot of ways to do it. The way we did it was we were basically glamping. Um, yeah. So we would go to like these tenant camps and at the end of every day and getting to have like, you know, a cocktail and watch the sunset over the Serengeti was fucking incredible. And then oh, you go man. to bed and you, you have to be walked back to your, you know, you go have dinner in the mess hall or whatever. You have to be walked back to your tent or your little cabin or whatever it may be by um, they have these guides. They're usually Maasai from the Maasai tribe mm -hmm. and they walk you back with a flashlight and they make noise. So you don't get, I guess, eaten by a lion <laughs> <laughs> or a hyena or something, or you yeah. don't disturb an elephant and get, you know, gored just from, you know, and there was, right. uh, there was one night where, I didn't hear it, but our guide the next morning, who was also staying at the camp, asked if we had heard the lions at about 3.30 in the morning, going, ooh. Uh, they make this sound like, ooh. <laughs> was that them yeah. like, just sort of stretching out, like, oh, getting yeah. up? Ooh. They're just calling to each other. They're just going, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, splendid. Well, 
Anyway, should we talk about Unsolved Mysteries Season 6, Episode 13? Uh, yeah, I guess we should talk about <laughs> Unsolved Mysteries Season 6, Episode 13. So our first segment, I, I, you know, it was weird. I was watching this and it struck me that I feel like I had seen this like lifetime TV movie before. It would just the story, it's story is like something ABC would have made a, t- a movie out of back in the 90s. It totally. just struck me as really familiar. And so I haven't scrolled all the way to the bottom of the uh, uh, Amy Billig uh, Unsolved Mysteries wiki page here, but I feel like that's got to. There is almost 100% probability that Lifetime made a movie with this exact yeah. thing, thing as a well yeah premise. and the so the so the this whole segment really centers on amy's mother and she's sort of talking mm-hmm. about her search for amy and so uh you know amy was 17 years old um back in 1974 so if we're keeping track here um i think this episode or this segment originally aired in 1994 so we're going back 20 years here at this point um one of the ways that unsolved mysteries lets us know that it's 1974 is that when we first see amy um she's coming into her house and she's like she takes off her crocheted poncho (laughs) i was gonna ask you if there was a special female term for like a crocheted poncho (laughs) No, it's just a crocheted poncho. Listen, this is how we know it's 1974. Amy takes off her crocheted poncho and then she picks up her rotary phone and uh, (laughs) calls her dad and and asks if she can borrow some money because she's going out with friends later that night. Um, You notice that when she took off her poncho, she just sort of scrunched it up into a ball and threw it on the kitchen counter. Yeah. Who does that? A teenager isn't home alone. I guess. I mean, the idea of like taking off a piece of clothing and putting it on the kitchen counter just seems so weird to me. Anyway, I don't know. I, just I, had to... I leave my shirts everywhere. Like lately, it's been so hot. I just rip my shirt off as soon as I get home and I just leave it any old place. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm just yeah. screaming because it's so hot that I have to like peel the clothes from my body and then i'm sure i've probably thrown something on the kitchen counter before which is gross but whatever okay so there's extreme 1974-ness that they're telegraphing Mm -hmm. in the beginning of the segment and uh so amy uses the rotary phone now um uh gen z millennials whoever might be younger than us and listening to this program um that's there used to be these phones that didn't go in your pocket they sat on the kitchen counter you know another public space in your house and uh you would pick up the receiver now that's the part you hold up to your head (laughs) and there would be a wheel of numbers on the uh, front of the phone and uh you would there'd be like a little stopper and so let's say you know your number is five 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 you'd have to put your finger on the five and then move it all the way to the stopper and do that seven times to call your dad yeah at his office and that was a rotary phone now robbie by the time i was a kid these were few and far between at this point 
Right. I, I yeah. Same with me. I mean, I as a kid, like I did see them, but as you say, it was far and few between. Yeah, and and you would also hear the phrase many times on television commercials or television programs to use your touchtone phone, and that just means a phone that has the buttons and not the the wheel. Huh. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I yeah. It's been a while since that I've heard anyone use the expression touchstone. <laughs> I guess that is just sort of assumed by this point. Yeah, I think even by 1994, that you were probably not using that phrase anymore. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to give a little background uh, on the extensive research that the producers of Unsolved Mysteries had to go through to recreate 1974 Florida Kitchen here mm-hmm. with Amy Billick. So she calls her dad. She wants to borrow some money. She's going out later with her friends. Dad says, come on by. I'll give you some money. Uh, you know, but Amy, how's Amy going to get there? She, uh, there's probably not a bus. And, um, you know, it's the 70s. Fuck it. So she decides to hitchhike. Um, and, uh, Amy Billig becomes one of the, um, reasons that no one, uh, hitchhikes anymore because it is dangerous and this is what can happen to you. So Amy never makes it to her dad's office and, um, she, uh, completely disappears. The only thing, the trace of her that's found is her camera that she carried on her. It was somewhere off the Florida Turnpike. And um, the film was developed. It didn't offer any clues what is to happen to her. Um, so about 12 days go by and Amy's mother, Susan. Now, Susan kind of takes over the narration of the segment at this point. This is really Susan's search for her daughter. And um, she gets a tip that her daughter was taken by a motorcycle gang called the Outlaws. Now... This is sort of concurrent with, um, I don't know if you remember Hunter S. Thompson wrote a book called Hell's Angels. I think he wrote it in 1969 or 1970. Um, it was about time he spent with that. I mean, when we say Hell's Angels now, it's so funny because it's like weekend warriors. Yeah, we, we tend to think of them as some, being something more akin to uh, the movie Wild Hogs with um, John right. Travolta and Martin Lawrence. <laughs> right. Um, you know, and I think there was some romanticization of these sort of that lifestyle um, before that with the movie Easy Rider. Uh, but to be very clear, uh, back then, there were some dangerous motherfuckers and they didn't have a lot of uh, concern for life outside of their gang and especially for young women's lives and um you know i think a lot of the stuff that unsolved mysteries comes up with like satanic panic and stuff like that tends to be you know let's scare middle america a little bit a little bit overblown they tend to run with rumors and stuff like that but you know these gangs back then were were good and truly dangerous and um again this is why we don't hitchhike anymore guys (laughs) This is why this stopped. Um, especially if you're a young woman, it's just, you know, asking for trouble. And, um, you know, these gang members would sell women for a new bike or a credit card or whatever. And, um, you know, they were basically just horse traded. Susan, you know, basically goes down this rabbit hole 
of learning about these gangs and how they operate. Um, she gets connected with a young woman named Gina Andrew, who had been abducted by a biker gang at the age of 12. Um, she escaped when she was 17. Um, and she kind of she kind of got the uh, Susan, Amy's mother, kind of got the lowdown from Gina about how how all this might work if Amy um, had been abducted by a biker gang. Um, so months go by. Uh, there's various sightings of where Amy might've been eventually, um, a somewhat repentant, uh, biker gang member calls up Susan and says he, he might know where, where Amy's been located. Um, and that's in 1976. Uh, so Susan gets dragged out to this, um, biker bar eventually. I mean, there's a bunch of stuff that happens where this, you know, they might, somebody might've seen Amy here. Somebody might've seen Amy there. It's, it's a series of, her. of leads and she goes there and yeah. talks to people and gets maybe, you know, right. bits and pieces like, Oh, there's this young girl who, you know, she wasn't speaking. And, uh, mm. she, she always got the vegetarian soup. And it's like, well, Amy was yeah. a vegetarian. So, yeah. yeah, there was yeah there was a shopkeeper that you know recognized uh, Amy's pictures, or at least described her as you know always buying this vegetarian soup, and she didn't speak or anything like that. Um, I mean, Susan gets dragged to Tulsa, Oklahoma, from Florida. She gets tips that Amy was in Seattle. Eventually, there's a tip that Amy might have been taken to the UK. So then there's a private investigator that gets involved in the UK. Uh, I love the reenactment involved. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was a little I, confused what happened here, though, because because the way it was reenacted is that the private investigator was just happened to be at the post office when he gets um, approached by this American <laughs> gang member. And I'm like, well, that's a hell of a coincidence. That is, yeah, that is the strangest, like, uh, I mean, they play it like the private investigator is there to get his mail, right? Right. Yeah. Um, you know, he, uh, and, and to get his stamps with the picture of the queen on them, this this American biker guy comes up and is like, hey, want to buy a girl? He's like, oi. <laughs> <laughs> no, he wasn't like that. Yeah, he's yeah, a little more the, posh than that. Right, right. He's, I'm sorry. I don't. Uh, I don't uh, think I, I catch what you're saying. Can you please repeat it? And you yeah. know the 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 biker like he's playing along, asking. So is she, uh, you know, American or Brit, you know, British girl, and and the, but it was really strange because he asked like, "Do you have a picture of her?" And like the bike American biker like acts like he's kind of insulted like he sort of gestures onto his person like what oh yeah. okay yeah like, you don't I have, think I... my goods are uh you know legit <laughs> legit i don't know it's weird yeah i mean yeah. i i kind of feel like if you're purchasing a human being like it's not or you know anything uh yeah. wanting to know what it looks like is not yeah out of the realm of uh, a per like if I buying a car, if a guy comes up to me like, do you want to buy a car? Like, well, what does it look like? What? <laughs> What's the difference? A car is a car, isn't it? Eh. Mm -hmm. eh. Yeah. So then like a year after that, that PI dies. 
randomly. I don't know what that had to do with anything. Um, but there's, uh, yeah. So Susan's been working with this American woman who got connected with this British investigator. Um, again, there's sightings, um, outside of Reno. There's just, she's everywhere. She's nowhere all at the same time. Um, so the investigator whose name is Virginia Snyder. Yes. And who is in the reenactment wearing the wildest shirt I've ever seen? Uh, mm -hmm. It's just a just a, a whole host of cartoonish images. I you don't even know how to describe. I don't even know what that style of blouse would be called. But it is the loudest shirt. Uh, <laughs> I think she possibly could be wearing. <laughs> anyway, I digress. Virginia tells. Um, Susan, listen, if Amy survived the first few years, she could still be alive. And then with like absolute certainty, Virginia Snyder says the first four years are the hardest. And it's like, what? Not Jeez. the first year. It's the first four. Okay. Although it happens at year three, you know? Okay. Uh, so yeah. So this is 20 years later. Um, Susan's hoping somebody knows something. And um, I was hoping for an update. And, uh, well, we kind of got one. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Very um, disappointing one, for sure. I guess there was um, some deathbed confession of some man who was in prison saying that uh, Amy, shortly after Amy uh, had been abducted, that she was uh, raped and murdered. And then her body was thrown into the Everglades. Um, and, and then the update says that police were able to verify some details of the account. Yeah, that's, uh, that sucks. Um, though, yeah. I mean, realistically, like, I mean, and if she was, hadn't been found by the point this episode aired and was still like unfound at the time that we're recording our episode where she would be mm -hmm. 65, uh, seems like the odds would be pretty pretty long yeah she would still be I, think, alive. I think towards towards the end and maybe after the unsolved mysteries episode aired and ostensibly after they got that deathbed confession um they were maybe just hoping for her remains to be found so they could just you know put an end to it so um but they still that still has not happened so anyway i you know i think what really made this segment was susan and just her passion and, uh, you know, she talks about meeting with one of the gang members and wanting to just rip his flesh off his body or something like that. And she says, but I didn't I didn't do it. I pretended to be, you know, make nice so I could get more information. And, and she just has a lot of, you know, this this became her mission for decades was to find out what happened to her daughter. So. Anyway. Sucks. Well, um, uh, let, let's let's go to a, a segment where somebody else died. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's just going to be a few of these. You know how it goes, Unsolved Mysteries fans. Yeah, this this one takes us down to uh, South Carolina, uh, where we meet a man named Walter Rice. Um, he's a well, we don't really meet him. Well, no, we, we we learn of him very quickly before uh, it's revealed that he, he, he has died. Uh, he's a 
older gentleman lived in sort of a little trailer home. Uh, he passed away, and apparently, no one realized it for about a year. Yeah, which that's is pretty foul. Yeah, which uh, is my eventual life goal. <laughs> no, I can't. I, I can't. But, uh, but seriously, probably something that may end up happening uh, to me, uh, being the misanthrope who hates interacting with other human beings that I am. Uh, yeah, like the the power and cable companies, I guess, just eventually disconnected service to them, and the ma- the post office mm-hmm. just started marking his mail as like return to sender, mm-hmm. um, and. The people who discover discover that he's uh, deceased are actually a couple of people who are breaking into his home with the intention of robbing it. Mm-hmm. And I guess uh, we learned that they they see a decayed corpse in the uh, kitchen and kind of gave them the heebie-jeebies and they 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 skedaddled. Yeah. Uh, I would can't... I would also get the heebie-jeebies. I think, yeah, I think it's a perfectly reasonable reaction because I would have I would have a medical case of the heebie-jeebies. I would have to be checked into the heebie-jeebie wing of the local hospital because uh, (laughs) being exposed to a year old corpse probably isn't in South Carolina. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah, it's strange. Like you would have think just from the moment they opened the window, they would have noticed something. Maybe was not. Uh, but yeah, like they 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 skedaddled. A perfectly reasonable reaction. It's because um, that's that's at the point where like when you see something like that, mm-hmm. and and you're like, okay, well, this movie started out as like a sort of minor crime uh, film with uh, my associate and I doing some uh, breaking and entering, but we're getting the sight of something that's suggesting either uh, some sort of weird serial killer situation or perhaps a supernatural thing and we just don't want to be a part of that film so we're we're exiting out you know the authorities come and they take take Walter Rice's remains uh, it's going to be really difficult for me to not say Walter White um, throughout mm. this segment so catch me if I do okay uh, the, I, I yeah. don't know why that would be an issue. I don't know. Walter Rice was a was a black man. <laughs> I don't see color, Crystal. That's not true. All right. Uh, Have you gotten that checked out? <laughs> anyway, so the Ronnie kid, the probate judge, shows up, and he's looking. You know, he's trying to figure out like what's you know what what's going on here. Uh, who who who's who's Seth inherit like this apparently uh, small fortune? Because because yeah. uh, as it turns out, uh, Walter Rice uh, he worked in the kitchen for about ten years um, in a hotel. Uh, but because he, he lived on sort of an on-site housing thing, he, his expenses mm-hmm. were essentially nil. So he was able to save up uh, quite a bit. Uh, so, you know, they go through the paperwork. You know, a couple of times when he's gone to a hospital, he's put down like some names, but they, they, they really can't 
Like one's a neighbor and another appears maybe to just be a fictional person. And I feel that's kind of where I'm uh, I'm down, sort of starting down that path of, of beca eventually becoming Walter Rice. Because when I was in the hospital, they gave me some forms and like one of them's like, uh, who's your next of kin? Yeah. Um, guess I have to put some sort of name down, right? I mean, right. Like, like anytime I, I'm faced with like, uh, you know, who do you want us to have? Con who do who do you want us to contact in case something happens to you? And you know, when I get posed these questions, they feel more like an abstract philosophical. <laughs> matter rather right. than just a uh you know what's your address sort of question um, right yeah so but uh segment's really short we get a little update turns out that they weren't able to locate anyone so the state of south yeah. carolina gets to inherit his money i i guess that's how that works um did they mention his passport that they found with him at all? Oh, uh, I don't recall I, in the segment that they mentioned his passport at all. I have a vague recollection that there was, um, no, no, I don't actually know. I don't, I don't remember a passport. Maybe I wasn't paying attention. Is, is so, there something yeah, on, the, online? Well, there's about... something in the wiki that I think is kind of an interesting footnote is that he was they found a passport in his home and it had a bunch of visas from like Central American and Caribbean countries. Okay. So he'd done a fair amount of like traveling. Well, that's cool. Yeah. So and then there's like one of I guess the pro one of the investigators or the probate judge. Um no, this is in 2007. So this is after the money's already been given in the state of South Carolina. But another footnote is that um, an investigator found that the Social Security card that Walter was found with in his home was fraudulent. And they couldn't find a birth certificate for him um, at the hospital or the town he was probably born in but since he was born in 1920 that doesn't surprise me too much oh, yeah records because records were kind of you know great um and then um the investigator was led to believe because of his passport and he couldn't actually verify rice's identity because the social security card was fraudulent and he couldn't verify the birth certificate as being correct mm -hmm. um that he might have been in the cia <laughs> <laughs> wow okay that's definitely not something that was posed in the wow yeah uh, tri trips to central and south america all right mm -hmm. interesting mm -hmm. so is mm -hmm. it plausible that he he wasn't actually a uh, kitchen worker at all that was just a cover story yeah, we don't know okay because, like they said in the segment, like they tried to like find out information by talking to his coworkers, but like his uh -huh. coworkers, were like I don't really know anything about him, you know? Um. Yeah. I mean, we don't know anything. Yeah. We don't even know his real name. What do you think his body count was? How many people did he assassinate when he was working? <laughs> <laughs> Three. 
at least three. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to have had $140,000 banked, yeah, that's at least three bodies. Yeah. 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 Nice. Hi, Craig here from the Bachelor Masters podcast. Do you watch the Bachelor shows ironically, like we do? Do you think critically about the socio-political ramifications of what occurs in the shows, like we do? If so, we're the podcast for you. We, the Bachelor Masters, combine deep dives into the show's problems with jokes and even some sound effects to deliver what we think is a well-rounded podcast you'll enjoy after every episode. So give us a listen, as ironically as you want, on your favorite podcast app. That's The Bachelor Masters, a bridge burner podcast. And I think the next thing on the docket was to talk about some sort of uh, stolen car situation. Yes, yes. It's the it's the Oliver Munson uh, story. Um, yes, the Oliver so, Munson situation. Yeah. He's a school teacher in Maryland. Um they they open the the segment with a reenactment of him uh, speaking with uh, a guy named was it Dennis Watson, who is trying to sell him a car. And you know it's, I, I Chris, I'm not a car person. I I probably mentioned mm. this. Yeah, you so, but I mean, it, yeah, but it looks like a you know it looks like a really sporty car, and you know they have the hood open, and you know it's got all sorts yeah. of stuff. It's a, it's a Datsun 240Z. Now, uh, Datsun, of course, was the precursor to Nissan. And uh, Nissan Z cars are, my understanding, still very sought after as uh, racing cars to this day. Um, so things in that series um, have a progenitor in the Datsun 240Z. So it is a very nice sports car. Not not like if you're an asshole, it's not a Porsche, it's not, you know, a Dodge Viper, it's not one of these those types of things. It's like it's like a it's like a street racing car, okay? Yeah. Okay. Just to be clear. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You thank you for this, that's car this has been car talk. For 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 providing Crystal that much needed car, yeah, supplemental information that I would not have been able to provide. Well, I guess that explains why Oliver was so keen to get it. That you know, he was he probably thought it was a great deal too. He's talking with yeah. this guy who's, who's you know, going to give him a good deal on it. Um, I don't know. I, I I'm always wary of purchasing cars from people. Yeah. Uh, I had a little bit of my dinner just shoot up my throat. <clears> throat> oh, I'm <clears> sorry. <throat> and how was it? What did you have for dinner? <clears throat> uh, I tried to make a, a Moroccan tangine. Oh, a uh, tagine. Yeah. Oh, what was in uh, the tagine? Oh, uh, very little in the way of actual meat because mm -hmm. health reasons but yeah uh you know carrots and potatoes and chickpeas oh, oh. And... sounds lovely get any yeah. uh raisins or other dried fruits in there i like that in a tagine sometimes uh not not this go around but i i've okay. i've looked at some recipes that that suggest yeah. doing stuff like that so that's interesting i i might yeah. i might try that we'll we'll do one more tagine talk off off pod Okay. <laughs> well, com compared to Jean notes. All right. Later. Uh, yeah. 
We'll tangine it up. Um, so, in 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 this reenactment, like they 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 do a good job of subtly suggesting that Dennis Watson is not on the up and up. Mm-hmm. I, for one, am cautious about buying anything from someone who's wearing gold jewelry around their uh, their mm-hmm. neck. Mm-hmm. Whether it has a cross or not, it's uh, mm-hmm. a little bit success. Yeah, um, I I would and... be I would not want to buy anything from someone named Dennis personally. <laughs> Dennis is it's just a suspect character in in of itself. Yeah. Huh? yeah, yeah. I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna throw you right out of that fucking window. Oliver he gets the the car, and very quickly learns that it was stolen. Uh, a um, gets a visit from uh, what, what was it? The uh, detective Goodwin, Godwin, mm-hmm. Goodwin of the auto theft division, who also mm-hmm. uh, seems to portray himself in the reenactment as well, right? He does definitely. Yeah, yeah. he's. Uh, I feel- you can tell in the reenactment by this man's flat affect, and <laughs> he is. Just reciting from memory what happened. <laughs> well, it's funny because it's exactly like in in the interview part of the segment. I mean, yeah, he, he, he speaks in the exact same manner. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah. obviously not too much acting range, but... Yeah, but what needed I, to be... What do you need to do? You're playing yourself. That's what happened. Right, right. He, he did a very accurate job of portraying someone who... I kind of have the suspicion that maybe he just talks like that in all contexts. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that very, like you said, a very flat affect. Um, anyway, so they, they have a little reenactment of Oliver going out to, going out to work, right? He's got mm-hmm. some... He's got some folders in it because he's a he's a school teacher, right? Mm-hmm. And he's got some folders with the you know, I guess the class assignments and a uh, a little uh, a little bag lunch. Mm-hmm. It's like that's so a cool. Little like, ham they're... Sammy in there for him for a break. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm sure there's an apple, right? Right. Yeah. Te- teachers love apples. Yeah. I think. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, he did not show up at work. His brother came no. by his house. He wasn't there. Uh, eventually, a car was located. It's uh, his car. And it, it had a... Uh, had a... Uh, what, like a, his lunch and his papers in there. So... Something happened to him. <laughs> Oh boy. Um, and as we kind of uh, we 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 learn that Dennis Watson was running like a vehicle theft ring. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a real gone in sixty seconds scenario where they got a warehouse or you know sort of a large built garage building, and you know they they got people doing stuff, moving, you know, taking stuff off of cars and putting them on cars again i'm not a car person um and you know watts uh watson was uh you know he was apprehended um and i guess like (laughs) they go through a, a history of all the people that had bought stolen cars from watson who were then murdered uh uh seeming 
probably as a result of them being required to be witnesses against Mr. Watson. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm sure Oliver was not aware exactly of the amount of danger he was in. No, um, and I, I mean, there's nothing to suggest in general that guys who run chop shops and steal cars are also cold-blooded murderers. I don't no, think like there's no, a lot of they're... overlap between those types of criminals, <laughs> generally speaking. Yeah, it's 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 rather amazing, especially with this this history that they didn't at least give him some some protection. I don't know, a guy like sitting yeah. outside the. Well, it's sort of strange. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so uh, I guess what um, someone whose car had been stolen uh, and recovered, uh, he got it back. And I guess it had been stolen by uh, Watson's um, uh, crew or whatever. And a couple of days later, he's cleaning out his car, much like I don't do. Uh, probably <laughs> should. <laughs> oh boy, I um. Have you ever, have you ever been in the car that I own that I'm driving around, Crystal? Has that ever um, been a thing? That's I happened? don't think I have ever had you drive me somewhere. Unless it was my own car and I was too drunk. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, Robbie, here, take me home. Um, no, I don't... I don't think I have been in any of your vehicles. Thank God. I, I wouldn't want <laughs> you to think less of me. Um, so naturally, I mean, and these are these are video uh, video st store receipts. Uh, that were uh, Oliver's from from mm -hmm. rentals that he had done. Yeah. Um, I naturally was very interested in these. Uh, it's neat. They're sort of on that yellow paper that you write on to make a copy. Uh huh. Um, so carbon this paper? rental place. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah carbon paper. So this place didn't even yeah. like this rental place didn't even have like a printer to like print out the receipts or anything. Yeah. Um. And I don't know about you, but I was very, very interested in knowing what Oliver had been renting. At least according to the reenactment. Mm-hmm. Did you, did you catch the films? I didn't, no. Okay. But I'm relying uh, on you to know. And have yeah. zoomed in on what it is he rented. Yeah, I I mean, and it it took it took a bit of time to sort of like look at it and sort it out because at first I was watching this uh, segment on my tablet and I was like I uh -huh. can't really tell, but then I brought it up on my computer, and there's two receipts, one where he rent, rented two films and one where he rented one. Uh, uh -huh. on the occasion he rented two films and it's sort of interesting because there's a column next to these that say quantity oh interesting uh and naturally all these films you know the quantity is one because why would you rent two copies of the same movie i guess there, there could be circumstances but it's it's just very it's very strange mm -hmm. that they uh i mean this this uh this is a a a pre uh, like like i mean this is designed specifically for the video rental company. So it's sort of strange that they thought like, yeah, we will need a column to keep track of, you know, if they get more than one of the same 
movie. I, I would say that's such a, such a, um, unusual occurrence that you could probably just dispense with the quantity, uh, column and if they do do that you just write the same movie twice and you know maybe put oh. set additional copy in parentheses hey, uh, you said doo-doo <laughs> <laughs> really oh man I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna have to I'm, I'm gonna be eagerly anticipating that this episode drops so I can hear it again <laughs> sorry did I just derail everything with that no no. Uh, okay, so what uh, were the uh, movies that he rented? Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. Uh, so on the time he rent- rented two films, uh-huh. and this is the only one I'm not 100% on, but I'm fairly sure that one of the two movies is Serpico. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And you know what? And, and the other one was Marathon that's really interesting. Man. Oh, that's also interesting. Yeah, so I know. I guess like that night he was uh, in the mood for like a... A bit of suspense, um, gritty mm-hmm. type crime films. Do you, now, the other night when he only rented one film, uh-huh. <laughs> a bit of a mood change uh, on that uh-huh. one. He rented uh-huh. Kramer versus Kramer. Well, here's what we know. <laughs> no, I mean, but here's the thing. Oliver Munson, first of all, buying the Z car. Then he's going and renting like real films. You know what I mean? He's renting real films. Yeah. In the early days. Okay. Right. Um, One can only imagine when Oliver drove up in the Z car to the middle school at which he worked. He had to be the coolest guy (laughs) at that point. I mean, just his street cred probably went through the fucking roof. At that middle school when he rolled up in that car. All the kids are pressed up against the chain link fence. Wow! Mr. Yeah. Munson! Mr. Munson's cool as hell. Yeah. And Mr. Munson's like, guess what, kids? No lesson today. We're watching Serpico. <laughs> and they rolled in the TV. <laughs> <What's>... <laughs> I love it. Uh uh was that was this was 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 mr munson only a few days away from retirement or something <laughs> i don't i don't know he was just cool as hell yeah All, I, I guess you know mr munson was just the coolest guy in the middle school damn everyone yeah. everybody wanted to be in his class wow what's what's the most ridiculous film you got shown in public high school or public school in general ridiculous i don't remember see that's the thing i was so rare that they would do that sort of thing and none of it was really ridiculous it actually felt very um spot on yeah relevant Relevant. to whatever lesson and even if there was a substitute or it was a rainy day or something it was usually something completely unmemorable what about you well, I think there's two possible contenders. In oceanography, we watched Raise the Titanic. Okay. Hmm. Mm-hmm. If you're, uh, are you familiar? Um, fucking vaguely. Was it on? It was on PBS or something, right? Back in the day. Not not PBS. Like it... It's not. It's not. It's it's a. It's not a docu. It's it's a a film. An actual like. Movie. Oh, it's not a documentary. Not a documentary. Yeah. Oh, okay. It, then it's I don't like know what, what this is. 
Yeah, it turns out that there was like some sort of like I don't know the Titanic was carrying I don't remember what it was, but some substance um, uh-huh. that that could be used for like super high tech nuclear weapons. So both uh-huh. the Soviet Union and the United States are competing to try to like raise find and raise the Titanic. Oh, okay. To... This is not at all what I thought this movie would be. About. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I can only. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, I, I should have really explained it pre because I'm sure, like in your head, like you saw, like a, a PBS documentary, like we're going to recreate what it was like to be on the Titanic so using this latest, late, using the latest and computer generated effects. It will be as if we're raising it off the ocean. Out of the ocean and onto your okay. screens. <laughs> um, and so that was one. And then the other in world history, though, it's not, this was on the last day of class. So it was kind of like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, let's, let's just take yeah. it easy and have fun. So we watched Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I, I remember in a U.S. history course, um, my female. Uh, teacher I think threw on Dances with Wolves and okay. I think she was just horny for Kevin Costner you know uh, back in the 90s a lot like a lot of ladies were so yeah, yeah. Um, sure Dances with Wolves okay I mean there was some historical I mean it wasn't super accurate or anything but at least there was some no. like context for putting that on it gives you, know. you some insights into into, yeah. into like you know sort of maybe some of the very broad strokes um for sure um you know it, it's like uh it's interesting in, in the, early on when like he's 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 at the fort uh uh the, the one that actually has people on it to like get a, a assignment and the 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 officer in charge, you know, who who had, who declared that he had just gone to the bathroom in his clothing uh-huh. uh, at at the end of the scene before uh, uh, suiciding himself out. When I was younger and I saw that scene, I didn't quite get what the hell with that guy's problem was. Mm-hmm. But then you know, when you really uh, read more about it, like. If you were a military person posted somewhere out in a fort out in the American West, Mm. I'm sure for a lot of people that was a very dispiriting existence. Mm. Um, Like, I mean, unless you really enjoy seeing the the same landscape every single day. uh, I think that's I think that's what caused Ulysses S. Grant to develop his trouble problems with that alcohol mm-hmm. was uh he um i mean he's just stuck out uh, you know before before this was like in the the 1840s or whatever just like oh you're stuck mm-hmm. out in the middle of nowhere and you got nothing to do but drink so anyway so what happened to oliver the- munson <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I apologize to, to the memory of Oliver Munson for turning this segment into a discussion about. <laughs> well, I I think we can I think we can all uh, agree Oliver may he rest in peace. He was cool as hell. Oh, he was. Damn, he was cool. He would have he would have understood. Anyway, yeah. Um, 
So, you know, they they they, they get some bits and pieces of evidence because there's some like there's some splatters, um, and but it turns out like like Munson's disappearance didn't have any effect on the trial. Watson pled guilty, served ten years, was paroled in '89. Um, you know, we have, we sort of have a uh, I guess not so much a plea as it's just sort of um, his his, uh, his brother's like, you know, it really would be nice to just know what happened, right? Yeah. Our mom's dead, and I just, I, I just, you know, it's been, in the last 10 years since my brother's disappearance, just, this has been just a burden, and yeah. I just, you know, just like to know, just, you know, like, because, you know, she cried every night. Do you want to know where her oldest son was? And if, if, we, if we could just get this burden off the family. So anyway, uh, we go on to another no segment. <laughs> <laughs> God. Uh, no update. Um, so this last one, it's, uh, you know, tale as old as time. Um, someone in the thirties during the depression got pregnant and was poor and had to give up their child. Mm -hmm. And then that child was adopted. And now that child would like to know where her mother is. And I'm giving this segment about as much time as unsolved mysteries did. So don't at me. Um, (laughs) okay. So Meredith Atkinson who was born as Marianne Lutmer, um, went and did some investigating to find her birth mother. And then she called Unsolved Mysteries to say help. And then Unsolved Mysteries um, found, well, a private investigator named Glenda Allen called Unsolved Mysteries to say she knew where uh, Meredith's uh, mother, Rosemary, was and Rosemary was in deteriorating health, and then there was a reunion, and then it was everything was fine. I like when Unsolved I, Mysteries ends on on a high note. High note, though, not like if they had ended on Oliver Munson, shit would have sucked. <laughs> I yeah, like that I there's something hopeful and nice at the end of it. This is like really where they should be tacking the Lost Loves segments. Is at the end of an unsolved mystery. So you, you know, you're watching some of the most dire shit humanity has to offer. And then it's like, but hey, these people found each other again and they got to be reunited. You get to to go out on that when they, the music they play, when the, when the reunion happens. Yeah. Uh, It's nice. It's nice. It's not terribly interesting, but it's nice. Yeah. (laughs) It's a little, it's a little salve for the soul. Um, yeah yeah i must have missed did they actually did, did they talk about the private investigator thing in the uh in the segment because i just sort yeah, of remember they, did. Oh. they said somebody was watching an investig a private investigator oh, watching okay. and, and knew knew where rosemary was because like yeah. I, admittedly <laughs> my eyes kind of glaze over when the the lost love segments come on and i don't pay uh-huh. as much close attention because like yeah. they got like a um her adoptive family got a letter from from her actual her biological mother right it's like hey uh, you know i'm what sure <laughs> okay it's who like, cares 
Well, no, I'm just I'm just setting it up to explain. Yeah. Well, because like so, you know, it was like, hey, you know, I'm that person, blah blah blah. And I just I would just like to have a picture of her or something, and uh-huh. just know that she's doing okay. And so you know they're and they're they're interviewing the you know the you know the, the actual adopted gal and she was like oh it was so nice to know that like uh my my she was she was still thinking about me, and then it yeah. kind of felt like very quickly they got to the family reunion. I was like uh-huh. wait, so like was it just that because if you got the letter in the mail then you know where to find the person because there's the return uh-huh. address, and so. Like I just I, I I after the first viewing I kind of like walked away with the impression that like oh okay well they got the thing in the mail and they fi- figured out who it was and they wouldn't visit her how was this a mystery yeah <laughs> this just felt like a story like uh, but yeah. I, I I guess I missed the thing about the private investigator watch whatever yeah I think the letter hadn't had had been uh, there was an intermediary is my okay. understanding. It did oh. not come directly from Rosemary. Oh, because that it had been be written it. in 1940. Yeah. Okay. So Meredith doesn't get it until the 90s. That's 50 years. Oh. So I think okay. it was sitting I, somewhere, and then it got mailed. Oh. I don't know. Or maybe her her I, adoptive family had it or something. I don't really know. I must have. I think that's uh, what I'm, happened. Okay. I guess I but was. They, they I didn't, they didn't I, explain because because we've already talked more about this segment than unsolved mysteries devoted time to it. Yeah, no, you're 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 right. You're not exaggerating. People at home, if you haven't watched this episode, um, hey Robbie, if someone wants to reunite with us, how might they do that? <laughs> well, uh, if you go over on to our Patreon, uh, for re- reenacted podcasts, uh, we have the one dollar tier just to support the podcast, or the five dollar tier. Where occasionally I might mail you something or a bonus episode might drop. Uh, Twitter at Reenacted Pod. Uh, go to Facebook, Reenacted Fans Podcasts. No, Reenacted Podcast Fans. One of the one of those. And uh, send us an email, reenactedpod at gmail dot com. Uh, you know, I, I feel like we've kind of come full circle. We're getting emails in the the nineties was exciting. And then, you know, a few years ago the yeah. joke was that was kind of boring, but I kind of feel like it's exciting yeah. when someone writes me an email. Um Yeah, when it's when it's not a work email yeah. or marketing email. It's right. nice. Yeah. yeah. I like it. I like when people write us emails. Um you mentioned the Patreon. Yeah. Yeah. People want to kick us a few bucks. All right. Well, I guess that's that. Robbie, do you want to do the thing? Join us next week for for another intriguing episode of Unsolved Mysteries.